You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Are we blessed? Amen, amen. So I just want to welcome everyone online and here in our church audiences. If this is your first time visiting and joining us, we want to welcome you to the family. And we just ask that you guys can stop by the Welcome Center. And Mr. Valeras, you get to stop by and pick up a free gift as you come in this morning. It's a joke because this morning he introduced himself as if he was a newcomer. So we just want to welcome you guys. And we just want to help, um, help you guys feel comfortable let us know in the chat where you are tuning in from. Um, we have someone who's behind the computers. It is not a robot. It is not an automated system. And um, they are ready uh, to engage and act, interact with you. I'm trying to get one of our announcements, and I can't find it. So I think I'm just going to have to ask you guys because I don't know where I left it. Well, here it is. Okay, this is an announcement on the grand opening for the Junior High Blast Crew. I don't know if we have a a flyer or a slide for that, but this is our junior high ministry, and we were scheduled to open that up this uh, Sunday, as a matter of fact, I think today, Um, but we are postponing and rescheduling it until the 13th. Um, We just have just a few more little details to fix up and finish up, and then it will be open and ready to go. So with that, we are asking that you guys just step over that little boundary of fear you know, and step into your purpose and come and try it out and join our teaching team. We need some teachers. Um, you never know if this is something that you will enjoy. You never know how great you will excel at it. You never know if this is your purpose if you do not try it. So we're just asking um, anyone here who is not serving or if you are currently serving, you know, please step over that line and try to join the team and serve. If we can get enough volunteers um, and members to serve, you will only get to serve once every four weeks, once every six weeks, so you won't be missing the word. Okay, so we just really encourage you to join the teams. Um, And youth, you guys will be staying in today. And I think that is it with our announcements. We do have a couple of announcements coming up. We have on December... It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the second, third, and fourth. Here we go. It's up on the screens. We will be having uh, a conference with Pastor Elson Bennett and with also Quincy Goodstar. Um, They will be coming down to celebrate with us, to teach us. And this is a conference that you do not want to miss, guys. We have lots and lots of great things in store. They have lots of things in store. I did get to talk to them um, over the weekend, and we are super excited to have them come. Um, There is great things in store. So we just really want to see you here because you really want to be here. This is going to bless you. It is amazing. Um, So it will kick off on Friday at 7 p.m., and then we will have a Saturday service also at 7 p.m. And then we will have Pastor Elson Bennett close out the conference on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So we look forward to seeing you guys here. So at this time, 
Let us go ahead and dismiss our beautiful little ones. So kids, you guys are dismissed. You all can go to your classrooms. And let's give them a round of applause as they are going out. And it's amazing how quick these kids grow. Okay, so, well, um, I will be, Pastor is out in Cuba So remember, let's go ahead and continue to pray for him as he is out there uh, serving, being the hands and feet of God, working in his purpose, sharing the word, delivering the gospel, and helping people change lives. Okay, so continue to pray for him, to give him energy, to give him everything that he needs, and so that God can intervene through him. Amen. So before we start, let's go ahead and open up with prayer, and let's get our hearts ready. So Father God... We just want to thank you so much for waking us and bringing us here in congregation to celebrate you, to celebrate Jesus, who he is, and to learn his word to walk closer to you, Father. We just ask that this word comes forth and plants a seed deep in our hearts so that we can act on it, not just hear it. Don't let it just go through our ears, Father. We just ask that it comes into our heart, takes root, so that we can act on it. And I just ask that you remove all nerves from me so that we will not have any hindrance, Father, because you know that I am just being obedient. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. So I am going to teach you today on how to win with the hand that you are dealt. And this is reaching the purpose that God has created in you and for you. So let's say that you are on a journey. Let's think hypothetical. So I'm going to bring English classroom in here just a tad bit. You know, Jesus taught us in in the Bible and scripture through metaphors, through uh, parables. So I think he was an English teacher. He might have been an English teacher. So I'm going to bring some of that over here with you guys today to help you relate and understand it. So let's say that you guys are going on a journey, okay? You're going on a journey and you have to take it. You have no choice to not take it. You have to take it. It's not an option. Now, you need to get to a special destination that was set just for you. No one else, just for you, okay? But, but, but before you head out, you are informed that the trip is going to be dangerous, okay? There is going to be landmines that you can't see. There is going to be wolves that will try to attack you. There's going to be explosives that are hidden that you won't detect. Quicksand that is not seen, that you cannot see. It's going to be camouflaged and covered up. There's going to be pits and there's going to be holes that will trap you. And if you're not paying attention, you can fall into it and stay stuck. And all of these things won't be obvious to you. And I know that's bad news, even though because you, it's not a choice. It's, an, it's not an option. You have to do it. But besides this bad news... You are given a map, okay? You are given a map, and this map shows you where every danger lies. It's going to show you where every trap is at, every sand pit, every hole, every snare. It's going to show you where everything is and where it lies um, because all of these traps only seek to harm you and to destroy your life, okay? So the question is, now that you know all of this information, how are you going to treat this map? You don't have to answer. Just think in yourself. How are you going to treat this map? And just consider all the important information that it holds, okay? Would you just 
wad it up, crumble it up, ball it up, put it in your pocket? You know, don't look at it. Would you just read it once a week? Just glance down at it once a week whenever you need to see where you're going? Would you uh, reference it just occasionally, every now and then? I'll just take a a glimpse, a peek at it. Or um, would you just completely ignore it and say, no, I've got this. I don't need this map. I can get through it on my own. I'll take my chances. So the comparison here is that this journey that we're on, we're already on it, and it's called life, okay? Once the moment that you are conceived, the moment that you are born, you have life, and you're on a journey. And this special place that you guys are set to go is a purpose that God created in you when he created you, when he made you. He gave you a purpose, a specific purpose, and a place and a destination to go whenever you began your journey, whenever you began your life, okay? So this special place is our purpose. And on this journey of life, there's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be snares. There's going to be sand pits that we don't see. These quicksands, we get stuck, we sink. There's going to be wolves or beasts that come and attack us, you know, forms that we didn't think. There's going to be um, attacks, traps, and surprise attacks, surprise explosives, surprise bombs, surprise detonations. Okay? So the same question is posed whenever we say this map This map has already been given to us. Do we know what this map is? It's scripture. It's a Bible. It's the word. It's his word. It's a truth. It's his instructions. It's his guidance. It's the foundation of our life. This is already given to us. This is the map. So the same question is posed. How are you going to treat it? Or how do you treat it? Or how have you treated it up until this point in your walk? You know, have you balled it up, stuffed it in your pocket? Um, Have you just stuffed... The word, the Bible, in your purse? Have you never opened up the app once you downloaded it? Have you just thrown your Bible on the dashboard? Never had any intentions of taking it down and reading it, getting connected with God? Um, Or have you just, or will you, or have you just opened it up once? Once a week, every Sunday, and say, this is enough. I'll reference it again later whenever I need it. Or um, are you referencing it only whenever you're at your highest? Whenever you're at the peak, you know, do you open it up and, you know, try to confirm and back up with scripture? This is a blessing. Or do you just reference it whenever you're at your lowest and you just need God? You just need him to make a move. Or do you think you will decide or have you decided that this word, this map, this Bible, this scripture is absolutely essential to your journey? It's absolutely essential to your life and you don't want to be caught in the traps You don't want to be killed on this journey, so you reference it every day. And I think most of us would say, yes, I would like to say I would want to reference it every day. So I know that, you know, not all of us here have faced the same traps as the neighbor sitting next to you. You know, Miss Lynn might have faced something more difficult in her, her life than Nora has. You know, every single person has gone through and experienced different traps, different snares, different attacks, different surprises, okay? And sometimes we go through these things because it's because we've made choices. We've made choices to not reference our map. Maybe sometimes it's because it's just not our fault. It's just an attack that happened, and it's not our fault. 
So some of us have been walking in our journey and have already made it to our destination. Some of us are already walking and working in our purpose. Others of us are right there and they can see it in the distance. It's up ahead. You're already walking on the shore. You can see it. You can feel it. And then some of us are just like the Israelites, still walking in the same circles, and we haven't referenced our map. We're in the same circles, same circles, and some of us might just be stuck in one of those pits that we fell in. And we might be stuck, and we can't get out, and that's just where we're at. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, I didn't get a fair chance. That's why I got stuck. I didn't get a fair chance because, you know, she didn't have to go go through the things that I had to go through. He doesn't know what I went through. He didn't go through what I went through. He had it easier. I didn't. So many bad things might have happened to me and only to me, but not to anybody else that's here. They don't know what I'm going through, so they don't know what it feels like. That's why I'm stuck. And you see, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Because you see, each and of us, each and every one of us have different journeys. Each and every one of us have different journeys because we have different purposes. So we're all going in different directions on our map. And there will be different attacks, and there will be different traps in every, every single person's trek through life. Just, and I'm just going to give you another because English teacher Jesus is coming through right here. So he says, just because, so he shows us this way. Just, it's just like football. You know, 49ers, they study film all week. They study, okay, what are their weaknesses? What plays do they run? Are they going to pass or are they going to run? You know, what type of defense are they using? What type of offense are they using? Who's playing? Who's not playing? And they study this, study this, and study this every single day up until they play the Cowboys so they could beat them. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Okay, I'm not a 49ers fan either. But the same way that those 49ers are watching the film over and over and over, guess what? There's someone watching you. That is the enemy. He is studying your film. He is studying your moves. He's studying your weaknesses. He's studying your patterns. He's trying to find a little leeway in a hole where he can get in and get one of those surprise attacks. Throw some leaves over the sand pit so that you can accidentally step in it and get stuck. He's going to, you know, start and send off the wolves so they can come and attack you whenever you least expect it. Okay? So it's the same way. The same way that cowboys are watched all week by their opposing team the same way that you were watched by the enemy to try to find somewhere to stop you on your journey from getting to your purpose, from the God-ordained purpose that he put in you and for you. So we can go to the next slide. Before we go to this, so it's titled Winning with the Hand You're Dealt. So how many of you guys have played poker or play poker? Or better, you know, let me reward this because I don't want to put you under fire. How many of you have been saved because you're no longer a sinner and you used to play poker? Yes? (laughs) I don't want to get anybody into trouble. So, okay, we're having a little bit of problems with the uh, slide. So our life... You know, our situation, our circumstances are just like a game of poker. You know, we're given five cards. And not every single one of you in here is going to have the same five cards as anyone else in here. They're all different. Okay? So I just want to use that as a metaphor, as a comparison, so that you can see how we are all 
uniquely and creatively made. And if you look at Psalm 139.4, NLT version says, Daniel was speaking and he was praying, the psalmist, and he was saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Complex. He didn't make you to be basic. He didn't make you to be simple. He made you complex, multifaceted. There's lots of different things about you that make you you. Okay? And in this teaching, I'm going to use the game of poker, the hand you're dealt, the five cards that you're dealt. Are we okay with that? Yes? So today, I'm going to teach you how to continue traveling towards the purpose of God that's created in you and for you and how to win with the cards that you've been dealt. So... In order to do this first, in order to understand first, you will need to understand the five factors that make you. And all of these five factors, I'm going to compare them and use them as the five cards that you get in poker. Okay? You have five different cards. Do you get to choose your cards in poker? Mm -mm. Do you get to say, what do you have? Can I swap with you? No. You don't get to say, I don't want to play these hands. I I want to play his hand. You don't get to. So that's how it is with life. We don't get to choose Every single one of these five things that makes us up. We don't get to choose these. They are dealt to us. But we have to make the most of what God has given us. Amen? We have to make the most of what God has given us. Because even though he did not create you to be sick, he did not create you to be hurting, he did not create you to be lacking or deficient, but the enemy comes and he messes and he tampers. But there's still good news. Everything that the enemy meant for evil, what does God do? He turns it around for our good. Amen. He turns it around for our good. So it's just like the parable of the talents. Do you guys, are you all familiar with the parable of the talents? So a master was leaving on a trip and he gave some of his, his uh, servants to each one of, one of them. I'm sorry. He gave them different talents and he says, here, I'm going on a journey. I'm going to leave you this money. Talents is money. So he gives it to them and he says, try to multiply it, make the most out of what you can. And they all did something different with it. Some of them multiplied it twice, three times, whenever he finally came back from his journey. One of them just buried it under the ground because he just thought, well, I can't do anything with this. I'm just going to protect it. Some of them put it in the bank. They all did something different. And whenever he returned, he asked them all, okay, what did you do with your money? How much do you have now? And he talked to each and every one of them. Some of them had tripled, some of them with, because of inflation and the economy, the money that he buried, it was actually less. It was worth less than what it was whenever he first buried it. So the point of this parable, when Jesus said that, is because each and every one of us is dealt something different. Each and every one of us doesn't have the same talents, doesn't have the same, you know, uh, disposition of money given to us. We're all different. We're all different, but... He comes back, and we will one day in judgment be asked, so what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I asked you to do? What did you do with your purpose? Amen. And don't you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? I know I do. Amen. So next slide. We can go go into the next slide. So the five cards that you are dealt that make you you. So all of these five things make you you, and if you're taking notes, you can just follow on the the screens, but your chemistry is your first card. This is the first card that you have, okay? Your chemistry is your DNA. 
your genes, your hormones, your chemical makeup in your most basic biological level. It's you and your body, and your body is made up of chemicals. For example, some of you guys were born with a hypersensitivity to pain. Okay, Some of you guys can feel pain right away. You know it doesn't belong there, and you're not comfortable with it, and you can feel that pain right away. You're kind of like the princess in the pea. Does everybody know the nursery rhyme? The princess in the pea, the little storybook? So I see some of you guys say no, so... Quick English teacher again, or actually mommy mode maybe. So Princess in the P is about a prince who wants to get married and he wants to marry a true princess, a real princess. There's lots and lots of princesses, but there's something wrong with them that they don't, they're not real princesses. So he's on a journey looking and looking and looking for a real princess. Then all of a sudden one night, it's super rainy, it's thunderstorming, and someone starts banging at the front gates. They open it up and it's a princess. She calls herself a princess. And he's been giving all of these previous other princesses a test to see if they were real. And what they would do was put a pea, a hard pea, underneath 20 mattresses. Under 20 mattresses and then 20 overlays, so like bedding, those extra beddings on top of it. And all of them slept fine. They couldn't feel it. They were fine. So that was his sign they're not a true princess. So all of a sudden, this princess that that shows up at the gates, she says, well, I'm a princess. So the old queen says, okay, let's put her to the test. So they put her to sleep. And she went on to the bed, and in the morning, they said, so how did you sleep? And she says, horrible. I slept horrible. There's just something that wasn't right. My back hurts. I have so much pain. So the prince was like, I knew it. She is a princess, so he marries her. So that's a princess in the pee, because she felt that little pee. I know once I'm lights out, I'm not going to feel that pee. You know, I'll sleep on the floor, wherever it's at. So this princess in the pee, she has a hypersensitivity to pain. And there's some of us that have that too. Others of us don't. Other, others of us, we have a high tolerancy for pain. And on true story, I shattered my ankle one time. Every single bone that could be broken, I broke it. Every single one of them. You know, and, and me as a person, I don't know, it's just the way my chemical is, my chemical makeup. I have never once cried because of physical pain. Physical pain, I've never cried. But emotional pain, that's a different story. I mean, I could be so angry that I'm just crying. I'm not sad. I'm just mad right now. crying. I can't, I can't handle it. But physical pain, no, I've never cried. And I just got a high tolerance for this, this physical pain. And I shattered every single one of these bones that I had. And I even tried to stand up. And I said, I got it. I can walk. And they said, no, you can't. And they pushed me back down. And whenever they pushed me down... They pick up my leg up high, and once I looked at my my foot, it just went like this and started swinging the bottom way. My toes were like this. Every single bone that could break was broken. And, you know, my tolerance for pain is so high that I rode from the place of injury all the way to the hospital. Everybody kept saying, are you sure you're okay? Do you need pain? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was was chill in this teen uh, language. My son's probably going to tell me, oh, you're so cringe, mom. Okay, and I was fine. I was fine, didn't feel any pain until I get to the the hospital and they say, okay, this is going to hurt because before we do surgery, because it required an emergency surgery, everything was broken. I don't know if that poses a risk for your blood and vessels. I'm not sure, but they said we have to do surgery right away. Um, And this is going to hurt because first we got to twist it all the way back around and pop it into place. Remember, these are my toes and they're like this. This was my foot, okay? So I said, okay, 
So they give you, you're supposed to get up to two shots of anesthesia, two of Valium. So they gave me the first two, nothing. I was still there. You know, fine and dandy, just talking and talking away, telling them, okay, this is how it happened, and you should have seen it, and, you know, just telling them. And then they say, you've really got to let this medicine kick in. Let it kick in. You know, let your mind stop. Let it kick in because we need to pop it back into place in order to do so. And I was like, I can still feel everything. So he said, okay, we're going to give you one more, one more shot of each, and that's it. Did it? They stayed waiting and waiting and waiting. They got tired of waiting. We're in the emergency room, nothing. And they said, look, one more shot of each. So this is four of each. And they said, after this, you can't, we can't because this is, this is horrible for you. This is too bad for you. So they gave it to me, waiting, waiting, nothing, nothing. Still, so they said, okay, that's it. Somebody get her hands. So they get my hands on each side and they say, on the count of three, we're going to pop it back in. They said, one, two, three. They popped it. That's when I felt it. I screamed so loud that I think people could hear us at Pizza Hut. This was over there at the Alice Hospital. So I think people could have heard me at Pizza Hut. It hurt, but it still, I did not cry. I sucked it up after I screamed, and they started transporting me to the room. I was still awake. Somewhere between, you know, the doctors getting scrubbed in, that's whenever I finally went out. But that is me. I'm the opposite of the princess in pea, princess in the pea. And my husband, don't tell him I told you this. He's like the princess in the pea. <laughs> it's true when they say opposites are attracted to each other. <laughs> he gets mad when I use him as an example, like his coffee. But I was not lying about his coffee. So another example about our chemical makeup is that some of us have low energy levels while other, others of us don't. Some of us have low energy levels that we compete at the speed of sloths, okay? At sloths. Others of us, you know, we are very hyper, very hyper. We've got lots of energy. And we could get like a week's worth of work done in four hours, four hours. We're just on it, on it, on it. How many of you guys have seen the Disney movie Zootopia? It's a cartoon movie. And there's a, a detective cop, and she's a bunny, and she goes to a DMV because she needs to run a license plate. And whenever she gets there, it's like lunch. It's like afternoon. And when she gets there and she's talking to the DMV associate, it's a sloth. They're all sloths. And he's like, how can I? And he, when he finally gets through, she's like, I need you to run this plate. TXR123. And he's like, what the first? And like, it's just over. And the bunny's like this. And I think I, a lot of us can connect with that bunny. I think that's me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't. Let's do this fast. But some of us are like the sloths. Some of us, and it's not our fault. It's just in our chemical makeup. It's just in our DNA. Um, just as the same thing as us that wear glasses. Some of us don't have perfect eyesight. Some of us need glasses. Um, same thing as hearing. Some of us... Um, we don't have great hearing. Some of us do. And this is a funny story, and I think I'm going to share it. So my husband, for a long time, he worked in the, the oil field um, whenever he was on the rigs, and he had this um, co-worker, the motor man. And this motor man, everything that, it didn't matter what you told him. Everything that you told him, at the end of every, every single time you talked to him, he would go, eh? So, so they would say, hey, Joe, where's the wrench? Eh? So they tell him, where's the ranch? Oh, taka. And he would say, hey, Joe, where are the keys? Eh? Right away. He wouldn't even let you finish. 
Joe, where are we going to go eat? So my husband, you know, and if you guys have worked out in the oil field, it's hot, it's long hours, it's frustrating. And my husband said, I know, I know this might be bad. He was all, but I did this. He was all, because I got tired of having to repeat myself. Every single, I told, every single time I needed to tell him, he says, so one day, he said, I told him this. I'll, hey, Joe. And Joe said, huh? And he goes, where's the hammer? Where's the hammer? <laughs> and he just stayed looking at my husband like, and then he goes, it's over there. And he just stayed looking at him. And, <laughs> and it fixed. From that point on, everybody else started doing it just that day, and it fixed. He never said, eh? Again, so some of us have better hearing, some of us don't. Um, It's the same thing with calcium deficiency. If you have calcium deficiency in your body, your bones are more susceptible to break versus an overload or an overproduction of calcium. Um, And then one of these chemicals within us is oxytocin. Are any of you guys familiar with oxytocin? So oxytocin is a hormone that's naturally in our bodies. It's just so great how God has created us so intricately. intricately. So this oxytocin is a hormone. It's a chemical that's released that helps you connect, that helps you build bonds. It helps you make relationships. So if you are low on oxytocin, well, then you're having trouble making connections and bonds and relationships with others. This chemical oxytocin is what... Um, is released whenever mothers nurse their newborn babies, and that's what creates that bond, oxytocin. Um, And if we're low in it, then we have flaws. We have flaws with all of these other things. And each and every one of us, we have structural weaknesses, we have structural strengths in our bodies. But that's not how God created us. He didn't create us to have weaknesses. Just the way he did not create the earth to be broken, he didn't intend for there to be earthquakes all the time. He didn't intend for there to be um, tornadoes and all of these natural disasters. The earth is broken because of sin, okay? Our bodies are broken because of the nature of the Adamic sin, and the enemy is always coming to attack us. That is not what's meant for us. If we can go to the next side. If we look at Galatians 4.13, on this one, Paul See, the the problem with Galatia, with the church in Galatia, all these Galatians, is that they started, they knew the truth. Paul had already gone and taught them. And um, they started converting to different forms of religion. They started converting to law, to old law, to the law of Moses, where there's circumcision, and you have to follow this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. And he was trying to correct them and tell them, no, this is not. And he reminded them, and he says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, Become like me, because I became like you. You didn't do me wrong, and as you know, it was because of an illness, a flaw, okay? Because of a flaw that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me. So, Paul, we all know um, in the Bible, we we read these stories, we know that Paul had a thorn in his flesh, We don't know what it is because scripture doesn't tell us exactly what it is. We don't know if he had a physical ailment. We didn't know if maybe he had a deformity or a broken bone, a broken leg. We don't know if it was a mental illness, but Paul was struggling with something. He had a flaw. He had a flaw, but he, God, will use that flaw. He, even if it's in the form of an illness, he will use that illness to share the gospel. He will use it to enhance the kingdom of God. 
And we have seen it not only here in scripture, but we've seen it here in our church. We've seen it here in our church. When Melissa, and I know she, she'll be okay if I say this, uh, if I say this RJ's sister, she, because she came in and she asked for uh, prayer, and then she even gave her testimony. And you guys, if you didn't get to witness this, it was so moving the way she would speak about this. But she was on her journey, on her map, towards her, her purpose, whenever she was attacked and she was hit with a sickness. And uh, cancer was found whenever she went to an eye doctor, leukemia. And um, the way that she responded to it was just the way Paul did with his thorn in his flesh. Paul still continued to use the gospel and show it through the, the illness to reach people. And that's what Melissa did. And she says, oh, I know what the doctor says. I know what the report says. But it's okay because I know what my God can do. I believe in his word. And she was happy. It never, it never took her down. It never made her worry. She was happy. And guess what? God worked through her. And she gave her testimony and said, it's gone. She didn't have it. She didn't have it anymore. Amen. And all the glory goes to God. So he will use any illness, any flaw that you have for his glory. Now the second one, we can go to the next slide. The second card that you get resembles and stands for your connections, your relationships. You are a product of your relationships. My husband shared with me um, a couple of years back whenever he had gone to a men's conference. And he came back and he says, you know, we are the product of the five people that we hang around with. He was like, so if you never, if you want to know who you are or what you are like to other people, he's like, consider all the five people that you constantly are in communication with. He was like, and you are some of all of them. So our relationships are important because these relationships are uh, a product. We are the product of them, especially in our early years of life. You know, this is our forming and molding years. Some of these relationships are good. Some of them are bad. Some are healthy, unhealthy. Some of them might be abusive or non-existent. But remember, it's different hands that we are dealt. So we all don't get the fair chance. We all don't get the same exposure. We all don't get the same things that everybody else has gone through. Um, And we don't get to choose these cards either. Remember, you can't swap them out and say, oh, no, I don't like these cards anymore. I'm going to fold and I'll just wait for the next hand. You can't. Okay, we don't have these choices, but you are a product of your relationship. And you, you see, a lot of this, um, how we see ourselves is how we look at how others who are important to us see us. You know, and that's, that's the wrong thing to do because the only person that we should looking, be looking at, that we should look at to see who we are, is Jesus. It's only whatever he says. It's whatever he says you are, that is what you are. You know, for a long time, a long, long time, very, very long time, I struggled with confidence, with confidence, you know, and in the back of my mind, it was like, yeah, you are never going to be good enough. And I agreed with it. Yeah, you never are enough. You're never going to get there. And I always agreed with it. And confidence was always, always, always an issue with me until I moved my focus and I said, no, I don't, you cannot give anybody the power to be higher than Jesus. You cannot give anybody the power to be more powerful than Jesus over your life. You can't. The authority is his. The say-so is his. So if he says you are wonderful, you are perfect, you're created just the way he created you, 
That's it. That's the end of the line. Never put a question mark at the end of a sentence where he has intentionally put a a period, where he has made a sentence. Okay, so if you grew up disconnected from people, then you have a hard time with meaning and purpose. And life, life is about love. If you could sum up everything that Jesus stood for, it's love. It's relationships. What does God say about this? Well, let's read Mark 1230. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is nothing more important than this. There is no commandment greater than these. There is nothing more important than that. So he's basically saying be connected to God and be connected with each other. Be in harmony with God and be in harmony with each other. Now, if you don't have love, then you have probably missed the purpose and the point of life. It's all about love. It's all about relationships. That's why it's called the great commandment. See, but we know that we are imperfect. There's nobody that's perfect except for Jesus. So, of course, we're going to have imperfect relationships because we're imperfect people. We hurt each other. We have conflicts with, uh, with each other. We have sin. And whenever we have this, it does disconnect us from God. Um, and it disconnects us for, from each other. We can go into the next slide. And I'm going to give you an example here from Genesis. And I think we're all familiar with Genesis, with Adam and Eve. You know, they were in perfect harmony. Evil didn't exist. And then Satan comes, the enemy comes in the form of the serpent, and he tells Eve, just eat from this one tree that God told you not to eat from. Okay, and her focus was shifted. She had all these other trees that she could eat from, but God told her just not this one tree, and he convinced her to eat from it. So she did, and whenever she did, it opened their eyes, and they had sin. They had sin because they look at each other, husband and wife, Adam and Eve, and then they realized, oh, my gosh, we're disconnected from each other. We need to now cover up. So they got fig leaves, sowed fig leaves, and they hid from God. So whenever they hid from God, you're hiding from God. You're hiding that sin. You're hiding from operating in his word. Well, then you're disconnecting. You're disconnecting from him. So let's go on to the next one. Circumstances. This is the third card that we're given. Circumstances are the things that happen to you and the things that happen around you. Remember, you don't get to choose your circumstances. You are a product of the trauma and you're a product of the troubles in your life. You are a product of the suffering of the shame and the stress in your life. And pain, unfortunately, it does shape your life. Now, if you have ever been abused emotionally, physically, you know, I apologize and I am so sorry for you. But it's how you respond to this. Just as the stories, Melissa, that I shared with Melissa, it's how you respond. How are you going to react to this? Are you going to stay in that hole that you accidentally fell in by not looking at the map, or maybe it just was an attack. What are you going to do? Are you going to react to it and just stay stuck there? Or are you going to use it the way Paul did to glorify God, to help someone else out that's going through the similar things? This is how we grow from it. This is how it's molded into our identity. It might not be fair, and a lot of times it's not. It's not. But how do you change it to use it for God's glory? Um... Let's go on to 23.7 Proverbs. I think that's going to be my next one. Your consciousness influences your identity. 
What is our consciousness? That's you talking to yourselves. How many of you guys talk to yourself? And if you don't raise your hand, you are lying because you're probably talking to yourself right now saying, not me. I don't talk to myself. Yes. We all talk to ourselves. Okay. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So that is important. What you are telling yourself, what you are telling yourself is important because whatever you're thinking in your heart, well, then it's going to find a way to play out in your life. It's going to end up finding a way to pass. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful, be careful, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. If you let that thought take root and start forming and repeating and repeating and repeating again, then you start believing it and you start becoming it. But it's up to the reaction. It's how you're going to respond to it. So the person who both says, no, it's not true what he just said about me. He just said that I'm never going to be enough. If you say, no, that's not true, you are right. But if you also say, yes, he is right. I will never be good enough. You're still right. Because whatever you think in your heart, that is what you become. That's what you believe. So choose. Take the authority over it and put that in your heart so that it can come out through your words, through your speaking. Um, Let's go on to the next one. So the last, oh, I'm sorry, did I skip something? So I don't know if there's a slide there called my choices, but if there's not, it's probably not. So my choices is the last card, and this is the most important card, the most important card, because the Bible tells us that we are created in the image of God. Dogs aren't created in the image of God. Cows aren't created in the image of God, and neither are elephants, Only you, only humans are. Not even the angels are created in the image of God. It's only humans. And this is our greatest blessing, but it can also be our greatest curse. This one is our wild card. That's why it's a blessing, because God has given us free will. When he created us in his image, he has given us free will, the choice to choose. Because if you want somebody to love you and you're forcing them to love you, is that love? Would you consider being loved if you're forcing them? No, that's why God has created us in his image with a choice, with free will, so that we can choose to make our response to what we're faced with, so that we can choose to respond to all of these explosives and landmines and uh, quicksand pits and holes. We can choose how we're going to turn it around and use it for the glory of God. This is how it uh, allows us to deal with, and to win with every single card that you've been dealt. You know, and I've, I've had bad cards. I've had horrible cards, and I'm pretty sure you have also. But God has told us, but don't fret, don't stress, don't worry, because I have already overcome the world. I have already beat and defeated every single thing there is. So he's the one who gives me that power. He's the one who gives you that power to change your response. Amen. God, I thank you for that. So you can choose how you will respond. Um, Ecclesiastes 7.18, it says it's good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. So this means if you're trying to find who you are to make that response, you can't just consider one aspect of yourself because we don't have just one thing. We're not basic. We're not simple. We have to not choose just that one thing. We have to choose all of the things, all of the things that make us up. And it says whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. 
And uh, Ecclesiastes New Century Version says it's good to grab the one and not let go of the, old, the other. Those who honor God will hold them both. So it's your move. It is your move. And the answer on winning with the hand you're dealt is simple. It's just to focus on Jesus. That's it. Because the more that you focus on the problem, what happens to that problem? The bigger it's going to get. The more it's going to grow. It's like if you're watering a plant. If you put a seed, that seed resembles the problem. If you put that seed and you go and say, oh, man, I wish that didn't happen, you're watering it. And then later on during the day, it's running through your mind and you're hearing that audio in the head again. Guess what you're doing? You're watering it again. And you're watering it again. And before you know it, it's a full-blown ivy that's growing on your, on your house. It's covered your house. But if you switch your focus to what Jesus says, to what his word is, that, that plant, that enemy uh, devised trick is not going to grow. It's not going to grow on you. So it is up to you to keep your focus. So with all of those cards that you were dealt, the answer to win is to focus on Jesus. Let's go to uh, the next slide. And I'm going to give you an example here with Daniel. If you want to turn to Daniel 6, we're going to read through 6, uh, 16 and probably 20 or 24. And we're all familiar with, Dave, with Daniel and this story here. The king, um, you know, there was people who just didn't like him because he was a faithful man and he was praying and praying. And they said, you know, we got to get rid of prayer. You know, and they, they went and they tricked the king and they made him sign like a, a new ordinance and, uh, ordinance and said, you know, let's outlaw prayer unless it's just to this God. And they did that on purpose because they knew that David, I'm sorry, Daniel was going to be praying. He was going to pray in the morning, in the afternoon. He was going to pray all the time. He was going to give thanks. He was going to do it no matter what. So he was good with the king. He was good with the king. King liked him. He never did him wrong. He was honorable. He honored him. So once they signed it, this is what happened. And the king was tricked into signing this. It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you, because he was his friend. And he says, a stone was brought, and it was placed over the mouth of the den. So they locked him in there, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. So they closed it, and they, they sealed it with all of these little uh, symbols. They melted it on there. So if you, if somebody would have moved the, the rock that sealed it, you would have seen that the crevice was broken. So he says, then uh, the king returned to his palace, and he spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. He couldn't sleep. He didn't want anybody to bother him. He was just worried, and his, night, his mind was just running and running. And at the first light, he got up, and he hurried all the way back down to the lion's den where they trapped uh, Daniel in. And when he came in, Near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, a stressed-out voice. He says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And he waited, and Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God, he sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. So the king was overjoyed. He was overjoyed. And then whenever he found out about what that deception was, how the people tricked him into signing it, he threw those other people into that den. And guess what happened to them? Right away, those, those lions didn't even wait a second. They mauled them to pieces, to pieces. 
So it's our turn. It's our turn to mimic. And if we can go to the next, uh, there should be one for with a picture. If you can go another one right there. So this is an illustration. This is a painting of Daniel in the lion's den. So whenever we are faced with something that's unfair, just like Daniel, it was unfair. It was unfair to him. When we're faced with something unfair, we need to turn up our focus. We need to choose what we're going to focus on. If I ask you guys, what do you see in there? Can you describe what you see on the picture? You're probably going to say, well, I see a lion and a whole bunch of, you know, female lions. Um, I see bones on the floor. But the one thing that you probably won't say right away is Daniel's focus. Where is his focus? He's looking up. He's looking up at the ray of light. He's looking up. His focus is on Jesus. It's not on those lions. And he slept through the night when he was there in the den. If he was focusing on those lions, do you think he would have slept? Mm -mm. No. Instead, he focused on Jesus, and that's what we are instructed to do. Jesus, the English teacher, taught like this with metaphors, and he gave us this example. This is what you need to do. So when you have those lions prowling around you, don't worry. Just focus on me. Whenever these problems happen to you, this abuse happens to you, the neglect happens to you, the disconnect happens to you, the attacks happen to you, when they rob you, when they steal you, when they take it from you, focus on him. You just focus on him. And God is faithful. He is always, always faithful. Always faithful. And you know, whenever I was studying and looking at this, I said, you know what, this is, this is true. This is similar. You know, and I've shared my testimony before a couple of times, but... You know, whenever I was attacked, you know, I had a clean, clean bill of health my entire, my entire life. And it's always whenever you're near God's purpose, what he has put inside of you. It's always when you're going to be achieving your most successful points, whenever you have gotten that close to the purpose where he wants you to be, is whenever the enemy has studied that film day and night and wants to attack you. And sometimes it's not our fault. It just happens. And um, I almost lost my life. I was supposed to die. I'm not supposed to be here. I was supposed to die. Um, I had, they said that I was born, and I don't receive that because God didn't create us to be broken. So that they said I was born with a, a, a def- well, not even a deficiency. I would overproduce calcium, so I have calcification. Um, they said that my kidneys were overcalcified. They were white, completely white on the, on the scans whenever they should be black. And I had a, an overproduction of kidney stones that were blocking, and it wouldn't let anything filter, and they became infected. My blood became infected. Um, it transferred all through my body, through all my, my organs. And there's three stages of sepsis. There's, septi- there's sepsis, um, there's severe sepsis, and then the last one that takes you is septic shock. I was in septic shock. I was in septic shock. I couldn't breathe. I kept passing out. I was going and coming, going and coming. I felt like I had like a heart attack, like three heart attacks. It felt like it was heart attacks in the hospital. That was a pain, you know, worse than the ankle when they popped it back into place. That was an ugly, ugly pain. I was scared because nothing like this had ever happened to me. I had always, always been healthy, always been healthy. But I lost my focus. I got scared. You know, just like the song that we sang, you know, fear may come. But guess what? Fear has to leave. And once I was sick of it, of feeling the way I was, you know, with those 106 fevers and not, you know, cute little shaking. I was convulsing, shaking. I couldn't, I couldn't even talk. 
you know, and I couldn't stay still. Like it was convulsions shaking. And I made the decision. Uh, why am I afraid? Why am I in fear? Where is my focus? Where is my focus? All I could see were those lions all around me. That's all I could see. Until I said, you know what, nurse, help me out of the bed. And he looks at me and tells me, you're crazy. And I said, no, help me out of this bed because I'm going to go sit over there on that chair and I'm going to pray. I'm getting my focus back. And that's the amazing thing about God and the grace that he gives us and the mercy. He doesn't remember whenever we made a wrong choice, whenever we didn't focus on him. He doesn't hold it against us. He just says, come back, come back, my child, come back, come back. I'm right here, come back. He wants to be right there with you. So the nurse... He ended up helping me out, and I told him, I'm going to get out whether you help me or not. So he sees me there. I'm there shaking. I'm like, you're going to help me. I'm going to get out. So he's like, okay, let me help her. So he helps me out, and I sit on that chair. I hadn't been able to break my fever for three days. For three days, I couldn't break my fever. It was at 106. I was like maybe 10 hours on this like ice blanket. It was so cold in there, and I couldn't, and the doctors were always in and out. Um, my, my heart rate kept dropping, you know, and they just said, you're going to die. You're going to die. And I got out and, um, I prayed. I had three hours until they could bring me some pain medication to try to lower my fever because nothing was breaking these fevers. And I sat down and I just said, it's fine. You know, just stand outside. And I started to pray and I said, God, my focus is on you. My focus is on your word and what you have promised me. I know that I am healed. You didn't create me to be broken. You didn't create me to have an overproduction of calcium. My body is clean. My body is whole because I worship you, because I love you, and because I trust you. I trust him. Do you trust him? I've seen him move so many times in my life, so, so many times in my life, but this has been the most challenging you know, testimony, the most, the biggest testimony that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, whenever the two, uh, two hours had been up and I didn't know I was in prayer that long, two hours were up and I feel someone tapping me on the shoulder, on the shoulder. And I look up and the nurse is just looking at me and he's got medicine in his hand and he's like, you're not shaking. I didn't have convulsions. And then I realized I'm not, my fever was broken. I didn't have convulsions. The pain that I had here is gone. I was able to stand up like on my own and walk to my own bed. Praise God. You know, and this is a true, true, very, very true testimony. And, you know, the, the, the doctor came in, the nurses came in, they all drew blood. They ran the test the next morning and they come in and they tell me, I don't know what to do. Literally, this is what the doctor says. The doctor says, there is no sign of an infection ever being present in your body. I don't know why you're here. You do not belong in the ICU. He's like, I don't know what to say. He was like, I don't want to send you home either because I don't know what's going on. And I said, send me home. I got to go to church because that's when we were having the Jerry Seville graduation. So I was like, send me home, send me home. And um, they said, no, we're just going to keep you overnight. We'll keep you for a couple of days in just a regular room so we could check up on you. And I only stayed for half a day. And they said, you don't belong here. Go home. And they sent me home. Glory to God, right? Amen. So it's getting your focus back onto Jesus. You have to focus on him. You have to focus on him. Um, I don't know if we're already out of time or not, but I still have something for you. So we can go to the slide that was before it. So your, your move, when something unfair happens to you, 
is to focus on Jesus. It's to go forward in faith. In Isaiah 61.3, it says, if you have it right there, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, even though there is pain in the night, we know this, that even though there is pain in the night, there is always joy in the morning. There's always joy in the morning. And he can turn beauty from ashes. He gives us the will, the freedom to choose whether to praise when we could be depressed. He gives us the choice to smile whenever we're hurting. He gives us the choice to be nice and to help someone out whenever we desperately need that help. He gives us that choice and all the things that we do, whenever we do that, we turn it around and we focus on him. Well, if that's what you do, get ready because God is all about honor. He is all about honor. So whenever you choose that, get ready because he's about to bless you. He is about to bless you. He is about to prosper you. That is our God. That is the God that we serve, the God that loves us. Amen. So the only one thing you have to do is not put a question mark where he has intentionally put a period. If he made it a statement, it is not your job to question it. Well, the doctor said that my kidney, you know, it has too much calcium, so I'm going to end up having kidney disease. I heard all of this. You're going to have kidney disease. You're going to need a kidney transplant. You probably have kidney cancer. Uh-uh. And I said no, because there's no question mark about this. There's not. It's a period at the end when God said that I have healed. He has already healed me. It's past tense. It's not in the future. It's already done. It's already done. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So on the other side of your excuse, you might, be, or you might have gone through something horrible or you might be in that season right now. But on the other side of that, if you do not use it as an excuse, on the other side of that is a new destiny, a new level of your destiny. You were right there on the forefront of your purpose where God is leading you. And God doesn't promise us, you know, that life will always be fair. It doesn't. He doesn't, and his word doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, well, if you become saved and if you, if you accept, me, accept me as your Lord and Savior, you'll never go through anything. You'll never have any problems. That's not true. That is not true because we live in a broken world. That's just where we are. We're not in heaven. And if we're expecting perfection... If we're expecting perfection here, that means we're, we're expecting heaven to be here on earth. And heaven is not here on earth because the earth is broken. You know, once we get to heaven, there is no pain. There is no abuse. There is no neglect. There's no being left out. There's no tornadoes. There's no um, murdering. There's no killing. It's perfect. And that's not what the world that we live in here. But that's what we have to look forward to. So what is our next slide? What do I have? David destroys the Amalekites. And this is another just example. If you turn to 1 Samuel 31. So David was always, always posed with problems. You know, he was left out by his family. You know, whenever they said the next king is going to come from this family and they went through all his brothers and, you know, Samuel's like, no, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. Don't you have somebody else? And they said, well, there is one. And they said, well, where is he? Oh, but he can't be the king. There's no way. So his family, his family didn't even support him. His family didn't care about him. They said, well, he's out there. He sleeps with the sheep, you know. And then he's a skinny, scrawny little guy. There's, he doesn't look like a king. And he was the king. So he faced reje- rejection 
all the time, even from the people that he loved the most. But he didn't let that take his form of his identity. He didn't take whatever his dad thought about him and say, well, maybe my dad's right. No, he knew what he was good at. He knew what his purpose was. Um, and David, and one time, whenever David was set to be king, he wasn't king yet. Samuel was king. He went and he took his army and his men, I think it was like 600 men, and they reached Ziklag, and they were uh, battling against the Amalekites. And on the third day, the Amalekites had raided uh, Negev and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their own way. So when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed. So when David and his men were out at war, you know, defeating something else at their other purpose, they came home to find that these Amalekites had come into his house, his town, and they burned everything, destroyed everything, stole all of their women, all of their wives, robbed and stole, kidnapped all of their kids, all their sons and kids. So he's coming from a big victory, and he comes home, and he comes home to this. Everyone is mad at him. They blame him. All his men who loved him and put him up here, they're all blaming him. It's because of you. If you hadn't taken us over there, we would have still had our families, our, our wives, our kids. And they were against him. You know, and a lot of us have been in these situations, and they were against him, blaming him, blaming him. And they all cried. David cried. They were all crying. They were emotional. God creates us to have these emotions. But he doesn't create our emotions to have us. And that's where David responded. And he says, no, I got to put my, my focus back on Jesus. And he prayed. And then he got his word and confirmation from God. And he said, okay, come on, guys, let's go. We're going to go back and take what is ours. I prayed. God has favor on, on me. You know, my God is faithful and I trust him. And they went over and they found them. Along the way, they found an Egyptian, just a straggler, uh, an Egyptian slave. And they told him, who are you? And what are you doing here? And he says, oh, well, I was a slave of the Amalekites. And, you know, I was just too sick and too weak to continue. So they just left me here. And David says, you know, if, if you just tell me where to find them and what they did with my, you know, my women and my children, we'll spare your life. So he did, and they fed him. They gave him whatever they have. And he led them the way. And whenever he got there with all of his men, they were having a celebration. They were having a victory celebration. And they were having a dance and a party outside. And they could see all of their wives. They could see all of their kids. None of them were harmed. None of them were harmed. And they were just sitting there. And what they did, they went in and attacked. They killed them all. And they got each and every one of their wives out. They got all of their kids out. God always brings his promise. He always gives you favor. And they were able to return with all of their belongings. And even more, they were able to bring everything else that they had won there. So I'm just going to go ahead and close here. God, I just want you to know that God always, if you want to move to the next slide, and the next one. I just summed it up for you. God always operates on principles, not on feelings. Isaiah 64, 4. It says, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. There is no one else that will do what God does. When we sit and say, okay, God, that battle is not mine. You know, whatever happened to me, 
it's not because of you, and it's not for me to be taking revenge. The revenge is his. He makes everything work for our good. Even if it's something that the enemy meant to distract you from getting to your purpose and to make you fall into one of those pits. He always operates with principles. And the one that we do know is we reap what we sow. That's a principle. Wherever you, you, you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you put in, that's what you're going to receive. God always operates. And he only wants us to obey him. He only wants us to obey him and leave all the consequences and revenges to him. Do I have another slide? I'm not sure if I have one. So Isaiah 64, 4, he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So this morning, I just want to ask you and tell you, you know, just wait for him. Wait for him. Whatever that problem is, whatever you've been struggling with, maybe you are going through a season where there's pain, there's conflict, there's something that is just unfair. Or maybe you, you've just accidentally or made the choice to journey through this life without that map. Well, maybe you can pick that map back up because that's a God that we serve. He's always right there waiting for you to come back home to him. So this morning, I just want to close in prayer with you. So if you just want to close your eyes. And if you are living with any guilt in your life or any pain, maybe you've been suffering and saying this was unfair. It was. It was unfair. But right now, we just want to shift our focus to Jesus. And we just want to ask him to come into our hearts, come into our minds. Because our mind is the biggest battlefield where our consciousness will make us into the identity that we are today. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray and we just ask you. And we lift up every single life here. You know our hearts, Father. You know what we're dealing with. You know what we're asking personally from you. We know that it's relational, Father, and we ask to seek and be to closer to you. And we just ask that your holy presence, your Holy Spirit, just intervene. You are already indwelling within each and every one of us, and we just ask that we shift our focus. You give us the will, Father. You give us the strength to shift our focus to you, Jesus. Take our eyes off of the problems. Take our eyes off of the traps. Take our eyes off of the attacks. Because even though it was an attack, Father, and it was unfair, we know that you will find a way to work it out for our good. You will work through us, Father, to glorify your name, to glorify heaven. And we ask that you give us this strength, Father, to just look at you, to see you, just as Daniel did in the den. Just as how he was able to sleep through the night, even though those lions were hungry and just walking all around him, Father, he was able to lay down and sleep because he put his focus on you. Give us that strength, Father, to focus on you. There is no problem. There is no statement that anyone can say. There is no judgment from anyone else, even ourselves, that is bigger than you, God. There is nothing more powerful than you. Jesus, you have full authority right now to consume us. You meet no hindrance. You meet no barriers, Father. We make ourselves available, and we ask that you just flow and work through us, Father God, because you also have promised that you will never quit that job, that, that creation that you started in us. You will not quit, and you won't leave it there until you bring it to fulfillment, Father. And we thank you that you're going to bring us to our fulfillment. 
We thank you that you will be bringing us to our purpose. And we thank you that you are guiding us through this journey called life. Father God, we praise you and we thank you, Father, for every single person, every single family that's represented here this morning and for every family that's represented online to those who are tuned in. Father, we just ask that you bless our week and that you speak through us in every single one of our relationships, Father. And we just ask that as we leave here today, that you remind us in every single small and significant and every huge way to keep our focus on you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for being faithful always, always. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give him a shout of praise? Hallelujah. God, we worship you. You He's a wonder-working God. Hallelujah. So if you want to put the um, next slide up, you know, this is just a, another act of worship. Just as we sing, just as we offer God our praise and our worship and we prepare our hearts and we say, thank you, God. So is the act of giving. Um, So this is just between you and God. You're not forced to do anything. Just as you're not forced to love somebody. He gives you free will. You know, and if he's moved in your life, this is one of the ways that we worship him to tell him thank you is by making an offering to him. You know, and that enemy will come and try to tell you, hey, 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 let's back it up because that's too much. Don't listen to that because that's not coming from God. Okay. You know, and one thing I want to share something with you guys, you know, because since it's so crazy how this happened because we're talking about how things are unfair and how it happens to us. And sometimes it happens to us whenever we're on the verge of, you know, meeting something so great, reaching a milestone. And I believe that there's something in store for the church. I think we might be, you know, crossing a barrier. We might be crossing a new horizon because um, throughout the week, sometime throughout the week, I don't know how it happened or what happened, but someone ran over our water meter or broke our water meter. I don't know if it was just a passerby or if it's just the bus pickup from Bruni. I don't know what it was, but... I guess water department was going around and and checking water meters and no one was going to tell us, no one was going to notify us, but they removed our water meter entirely, entirely. Okay. So we had no water. So whenever uh, junior high ministry team came in to finish up the building and then whenever we had Mr. Joe Ramos coming and working on this awesome, awesome and much needed um, building room right here, when they came in, they needed water. And there was no water. And Yanis tells me, hey, please don't tell me we forgot to pay the water bill. So then there's, there goes my consciousness. Oh, I knew you were going to forget it because you suck at doing bills. Like, you're not good. And if you guys know me, I'm always getting disconnected at home at my house because I just, I'm, I'm bad at keeping up with paying my bills. So, and unfortunately here at the church, I can't set it to auto pay. So there's been a couple of times that I'm confessing that, we didn't have water on Sunday morning, and I tried my hardest, and I said, God, you've got to help me out here. And we made calls, and they came and turned on water for us. So I don't know if I should be saying that online. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But when Yanis tells me, please tell me you paid the water now. And I looked at it, and I said, yes, I did. Like, we're not behind. I was like, it's not even disconnection. What is going on? And she looked, and she says, we were robbed of a water meter. And I was like, what do you mean we were robbed? And she's like, like, there's a hole. We were robbed. Like, there's no water. I was like, what? Like, you could do that? So we were trying to call everybody 
And we got someone, um, we got some answers. And basically, they just weren't going to notify us. They weren't going to tell us anything. You know, and these are these surprise attacks. These are surprise attacks, and it's our reaction. You know, none of us went all angry, throwing our fists at the air. You, you, you. No. Just pray about it. Pray about it because why? Because God is faithful. He's always faithful. We put our focus up to him. So I believe that there's something in store for the church. I think something might be coming, you know, coming in the horizon. Um, because, you know, this was just out of nowhere. So they ended up, my husband called and he made some calls. He talked to some people and, you know, they ended up saying, we'll turn it on just for Sunday. Just for Sunday. But they're going to have to, we're going to shut, we're going to remove the meter again, shut it off. And then they're going to have to call on Monday. And they're probably going to have to pay for another one. But remember, God is always faithful. He's always faithful. You know, and the argument was, you know, uh, my husband said, so if another community establishment or building, Sukasa, for example, had a water meter run over, would you just not notify them and not tell them and that business just, you know, dwindle off and not say anything? You know, it's the same thing with here. We're a community establishment. We come here seeking God every Sunday morning. And, you know, whether there was water or not, that's not going to stop us. We're still going to worship. Amen. So we believe, you know, just put it in prayer, you know, that we have favor. We know that we'll have favor over this issue. You know, God, we trust you. We believe you. We know that you will prosper us. We know that you have favor. And Father God, we are just excited and expectant of what you have coming on this horizon. Amen. Amen. So if you look up on the screen, if you would like to give online, you can just text the word Faithway to 77977. You can click on the link, follow the instructions. You can even click on the drop down list where you would like to give. If you would like to help out with Cuba, where our pastor's at in the missions. If you'd like to help with the additions that we're doing here to improve the campus. Or if you'd like to give an offering or just pay your tithes, you can do that as well. Everything is put into um, our, our system for end-of-year giving. So let's go ahead and pray for the offering before we leave. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to even give an offering. We thank you that you supply us with more than what we need, Father, to get by and have some left over just to give, Father, just to be, do an act of worship. We just ask that you bless this money, Father, that we give. Bless the offering. Let it work for your glory. Let it change nations. Let it change hearts. Let it change families. Let it change communities, Father. Let it change us. We ask that you bless it and bless us abundantly. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. So you guys be blessed. Have a wonderful and glorious week. And keep your focus on Jesus. Amen, amen. You are dismissed.